good morning. It's good to see all of you today. I want to welcome those of you who are joining us uh, right now from um, another venue here in Long Point or at an off-site campus or on the internet. We're glad that you guys are along too. What a great weekend, huh? Love the weather and getting closer to maybe away from the ice and all of that. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Hey, do you, do you ever wonder why some people seem to get all the breaks? You ever, you ever wonder that? Let me give you an example. You know, the, the person that always gets the favored parking place. You know, I was talking to a guy in the foyer after the last service, and he said uh, he, said he always prays that he gets... Uh, a front row parking place with, with time on the meter. And I said, how's that working for you? He said, great, happens all the time. And I thought, I don't like you. <laughs> um, you know, or they get the promotion, he or she gets the promotion, you know. And, or they just seem to have the favored place, you know, in the office or with the boss or the higher-ups. They get the girl or guy, they make the team we just don't like people like that most of the time. Let me give you an example. Okay, so um, a couple of weeks ago, we started a church just outside of Denver in Castle Rock, Colorado, with Ernest Smith, uh, who grew up here in this church, came to Christ in the church, served in all kind of roles. And, and we sent just a whole bunch of staff people uh, along with him to start the church. And so we usually, if we do something like that, I like to go to the opening weekend, and I couldn't go. I was uh, in Europe uh, speaking to some pastors, and so I asked Josh Surratt and Josh Walters if they would go and kind of represent us at that first service, and you guys, if you were here last week, you saw a video of that, and so they said, hey, would you mind if on, on our own dime we bring our wives along and maybe take a couple of vacation days and do a little skiing since it's in Colorado, and I said, sure, go for it. When will you be home? Be home like Tuesday or Wednesday, something like that. Well, on Tuesday or Wednesday of that week, the world's largest ice storm enveloped, you know, this, this area. Remember that? And they couldn't get any uh, airplanes. We tried to get airplanes back here, and, and it, they couldn't get back until like Saturday night, Sunday morning. So they had all week that they had to spend there. Well, the good news was they were staying in a condo of, of one of their relatives, and it was free, and it was up in the mountains. And so I just said, well, you know, just try to enjoy yourself while you're there. And boy, did they. Uh... <laughs> Their Instagrams, I, I began to see their Instagrams, and they, they showed Instagrams, things like this, like, like we're, we're skiing, we're snowmobiling, we're stranded here, uh, we're tubing, oh, hey, let's try ice fishing today, you know, this type of thing. And I can tell you, it didn't make me happy because, let me tell you why, because just two weeks before that, I was stranded by the worst ice storm in history up to two weeks ago. Do you remember that one? And I was not stranded in a free place to stay in Colorado and ski. I was stranded in the largest airport in America, in Atlanta, for hours and hours and hours. And let me show you my Instagrams. My Instagrams were like, I I labeled this one a power lunch, you know. And I was fortunate even to get anything to eat because they were running out of food in the airport. In fact, I waited it must have been 20 minutes in a line at the, about the only place open. And I got to the front of the line and I said, uh, they said, what do you want? You know, because they've been there 24 hours. Some of the, what do you, it wasn't, can I help you please? Said, what do you want? You know, and I said, I want a number one. We don't have any number ones. Okay, I want a number two. 
We don't have any number twos. I said, time out. Why don't we do it this way? Why don't you tell me what I want and I'll get two of them? Okay, how about, how about that? And so, and so a little bit later, I sent this Instagram. I'm sitting on the ground. And I said something like, my fourth flight canceled. And um, I'm trying to be positive. I try to, I, I've made a commitment not to be negative on you know, any of the social media and try to be positive saying, you know, this is great. I'm looking for a place to lay down here. It's kind of like camping when I was growing up, like a camping trip. And then I noted, I always hated camping, you know, but (laughs) so anyway, so, so, so when I see their Instagrams and I looked at my Instagrams, I thought, what's up with this? I'm the pastor here. (laughs) Why does some people get all the breaks? And the truth is, as you go through life, there will be some people who do get more breaks than other people. And it's called favor. And for the most part, favor just doesn't seem fair, does it? Unless it's happening to us. It's just not fair. But here's the good news. I believe that there is a level of favor that you and I can walk in every day of our lives that doesn't depend on lucky breaks It doesn't depend on, you know, airlines breaking down at the right time or wrong time or pristine circumstances, but there is a type of favor that we can walk in. And I'm very excited about this message. I really believed uh, before I began to preach, and this is my fourth service of doing it uh, live here, um, and and we've already seen there are people, uh, and there will be people in this building, who you will be touched at a core place, because what we're going to teach today is going to be revelation truth to some. And hopefully it will remind all of us of really where we are in God. And th- this has the potential. The truth that we're going to teach today has the potential to, to change your life um, forever. It really does. And so what I want to do is I want to dig in. We're in a series called Messy Faith, Finding Your Story in Esther. And we're going through the book of Esther. And we're, we're, you know, what we're going to do is we're going to cover all of Esther, but we're not necessarily going to do it one verse at a time. Uh, we'll, we'll catch some episodes here, and then we'll jump back and catch a little bit here. By the time we're done, we'll get the whole book. And, and uh, last week, if you were here, you remember um, the story of Esther uh, begins with a lecherous king, Persian king. And what was his name? Three people. Thank you. Last week was so impactful that it changed so many lives We don't even remember what the king's name was. His name was Xerxes. That's okay. Xerxes, he's a lecherous king, and he is married to Queen who? Vashti. Yeah, Vashti. Xerxes and Vashti. And uh, Xerxes throws this big party. He gets drunk. Him and his buddies have what he thinks is a great idea. We won't even go through the idea, but it was disgusting. And Vashti thinks it's disgusting because it involves her dancing without her clothes for her, his friends. And she says, no, I'm not going to do that, which caused a major crisis in the kingdom because if the king's wife can say no, then everybody else's wife can say no. And so they had to make a rule that wives can't say no. And they also had to banish Vashti, and so she's gone, all right? Now, he wakes up the next day thinking this might not be a, a good idea, one of his guys, don't know who it was, has this crazy idea that we'll get you a new queen and here's how we'll do it. We're going to do this giant contest, and I called it what? The Persian Bachelor, a disgusting idea. Somebody last week said, you seem to be a little chippy about the whole Bachelor idea. Really? Did you, did you notice that? 
And somebody else said, what, what's wrong with The Bachelor? Everything. Everything is wrong with The Bachelor. The whole idea is perverted. But go ahead and watch it. It's okay. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit will be with you while you do. So anyway, so I should say that's Greg. The rest of this is God. All right, here we go. So, so God uses a perverse, perverted, demeaning system to elevate a female whose name was Hadassah. She became Esther to the most powerful uh, uh, position uh, in the known world next to the king. She is the queen of Persia, which is good news to me. That means that regardless of what my circumstances are, how demeaning they may be or how messy they may be, God can use them to bring about his good and good for me. Okay, so that's, that's the good news from last week. Now, this week I want to talk to you just a little bit about the process. How did Esther go from here uh, to being the queen of the most powerful nation in the world. And, and what they did was uh, they went through and they, you know, they selected, they, they went through and they selected all the, as many good-looking, uh, attractive young females as they could. And uh, then they, they had this kind of contest where they'd go spend some time with the king. And if he liked them, uh, then ultimately he would pick the queen. Now, the process was, th- and I, I don't know how they made the top 10, you know, whether they had audition tapes or what they did, but... What happened was, um, when they were chosen, you know, I think it was kind of an all-call roundup whether you liked it or not. When they were chosen, they were put in the king's harem, and they were put under a guy named Haggai. Say Haggai. Now, I gave Haggai number 10, because he's a pretty big deal, but he's not royalty. Okay, pretty big deal. And he's in charge of the harem, and what he does is he keeps the women there for one year, and he... Uh, make sure that they go through all kinds of beauty treatments and they get memberships at the gym and all this kind of thing. He wants them to be in the best shape that they can be in when they get one night with the king, okay, one night with the king. So Esther is chosen and she meets Haggai. And I want, I want, you, to see, um, I want you to see what it says about that first meeting. It says this. It says she, in, in Esther chapter two and verse nine, it says, she, Esther, pleased him, Haggai, and won his what? Favor. What is the one thing, more than anything else, that caused a little servant girl who's orphaned to become the queen? It's this word called favor. You're going to see it over and over and over again. Okay. So she won his favor. Immediately he provided her with beauty treatments and special food. And he assigned her Uh, seven female attendants selected from the king's palace, and he moved her and her attendants into the best place in the harem. And the the point that I want to make there is that she gained favor with him, and favor always comes with perks, okay? And the perks were she's going to get the best place of all of the women who were collected. She gets the best room, best attendance, best service, right? Now we go on to the next verse. Uh, It's uh, verse 15, And it says, when the turn came, and this is after a year, when the turn came for Esther, the young woman who Mordecai had adopted and and, um, the daughter of his uncle Abihail, to go to the king, she asked for nothing other than what Haggai, the king's eunuch, who was in charge of the harem, suggested. Now, here's where this is. 
One year, fixing her up. They all got this. And they had one, one night with the king. And they could bring anything they wanted. They could ask for anything they wanted. Anything. They could be difficult. They could do whatever they wanted to do. But Esther says no. She's low maintenance. She says no. I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to only, you know, whatever Haggai suggested. Here's what's interesting. Look at the next one. It says, and Esther won the favor of everyone who saw her. She won the favor of everyone. Here's, here's the important point. We'll get back to it in a minute. Um, a lot of times, people who, because of their beauty, their talent, whatever it happens to be, who win favor with superiors are disliked by everybody around them. Would you agree with that? Okay. Um, that's not the case here. Apparently, she won favor with him, and she also won favor with all the other contestants and the people who were, you know, next to her and below her kind of in the food chain. That's an interesting thought. We'll come back to that in a minute, okay? All right, let's go to the next one. So we're going to put Haggai back here. He's out of the picture. And uh, the next verse is verse 17. It says, now the king was attracted to Esther more than any of the other women, and she won his what? Favor. She, you see the word coming up again and again. She won his favor and approval more than any of the other virgins. And so he set a royal crown on her head, and he made her the queen instead of Vashti. So she's the queen of hearts now. So how did that happen? And what is favor? And how can favor work in our behalf, or can it? So, so, so what I want to do uh, with the message, I'll just lay it out. Uh, we're going to talk about favor. And I just want to tell you what I think I know about favor. And then at the very end of the message, I'll make three statements, which are kind of the three points on your outline sheet about favor. So I say that now so that like 25 minutes from now, some of you are going, he isn't even to the first point. It's, those are just three statements at the end. You're going to be okay. We'll get to the restaurant. Everything will be fine. Okay? All right, so here's my questions about favor. What is it? Why do some people have it and others don't? How can you get favor, and is it possible indeed to walk every day in divine favor, and if it is, what does that look like, okay? So let's define favor, and we'll just go to the dictionary. Uh, The word favor literally means to show kindness or mercy, to be gracious and kindly towards someone, to give a special act of grace or special generosity, to give approval or an advantage, so it's, it's something you don't deserve. It's, it's when somebody, either you or do it to somebody else or somebody does it to you, where it's special generosity. It's like, here, have this. Well, I don't deserve that. No, you don't. I just wanted to do it. Now, from God's point of view, we understand it as uh, what grace is, is grace is unmerited favor. It's, it's to be treated with kindness and generosity beyond what you deserve. So it's, when God gives grace, there are all kinds of grace. There's the, 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 just the saving grace that through Jesus Christ we can be saved. That's unmerited favor. Nothing you did, nothing you can do. God just says, I'm going to do it. And then he occasionally gives special grace in our life, which has nothing to do with us. We'll talk more about that in a few minutes. And everything to do with him. It's just unmerited, unmerited 
uh, favor. Uh, and when favor does a lot of things, favor opens doors. Sometimes God will open a door that there was no way to open it, and he just did it. Maybe you've experienced that in your life. Favor also closes doors. Have you ever had that happen? I, I'm just going to tell you how I approach the will of God in my life and for our church. Uh, if, I, if I see a, a door that I think maybe we're supposed to go through or maybe I'm supposed to go through, I'm gonna, it, it's going to take more than just that door being closed to keep us from kind of bombarding it. That's just the way I am. I pray when I'm praying for something in my own life or even for the church, I'll pray, God, if that is a closed door, you know how to slam that thing shut, put boards on it, nails through it, screws in it, that you can't get it open because we're going to do everything we can to go through. And that, that's not necessarily the right way. There are different ways to approach it. But that's what I believe. That, that's the way that I approach finding the will of God. I'm going to go after it, after it, after it. And so there have been times when God's favor was shown by a closed door. For instance, I remember a few years ago when we were trying to build a bigger building here. And you got, a lot of you know the story. A lot of you lived through it. And our town said, no, you can't do it. It became just a political, political mess. And uh, so we didn't just say, well, okay, we're just going to, no, we went ahead, moved ahead, and I did everything I could under my power uh, to, and thinking God's power too, to get that door open, and that door was closed. And at the time, I had a hard time seeing that because sometimes our circumstances, we live our circumstances in the gap between the promise that we believe God has given us and the payoff that's on the other end. It almost never happens together. God promises this, here's the payoff. There's usually a gap, and the gap is messy. Okay, for all of us, it's messy. That's why we call this messy faith. And I can remember being in that messy place, God, why is this, and rebuking the devil and all of that, until the Lord showed me it's not the devil, son. It's me, I'm in this. If I'm for you, who can be against you? All things work together for good. And now we look back and we go, okay, God... God wanted us to, you know, experiment with this thing called multi-site. And just this week I read that there are 8,000 churches just in America now that that do multi-site. And what I would say is that that was a closed door that showed the favor of God in our lives. And you can probably see that in your life in various areas. So it opens doors, it closes doors, uh, favor promotes Favor gives influence. So there's all kinds of things that favor does. Now, as I was reading this story, and just kind of going through the Bible, what does favor mean? I saw at least two different types of favor. I want to talk to you about both of those. And then on the second type, I think it's divided into two different categories there also. So we're going to talk about two types of favor uh, and and then two types. Are you sufficiently confused? You'll understand when we get there. Here's the, first, here's the first kind of favor, and it's what I'll call natural favor. Natural favor. If you just look around, the first question I asked you, there are some people that just get more than their share of breaks in life. You just look around, just be honest about it. There are some people that seem to have natural favor on their lives. And if we look deeper, I think, this is just me, I think it's because they have winning personalities. I think that they're just, if people like you, some people are blessed with a winning smile, some people just come across just in a very pleasant, likable way, they get more doors open than, than others that maybe aren't that way. If you look at the story of Esther, I think she has this first type of favor, and I think she's got the second type I'm going to talk about too. 
but she's got natural favor going for her. And here's where I see it. It's in that second scripture. Remember where she says she found favor with, the first one she found favor with Haggai. The second one she found favor with everybody around her. That's very unusual. She's beautiful. It's a beauty competition. Uh, they're, they're not apt to congratulate one another on how they look or how they are. Because oftentimes, in that scenario, the beauty comes with arrogance or intelligence comes with arrogance. And apparently, Esther doesn't have that. In fact, she's very low maintenance. Can I say something about high maintenance people? If you're high maintenance, you better be beautiful or intelligent. Because that's going to open doors. But over the long haul, if you keep getting more and more high maintenance, people shy away from that. It's people that humble themselves that will be exalted over time. And it seems that, that she, she, she seemed to have this, this humility, this grace, this, this uh, winning type of personality, a natural kind of, a natural kind of favor. I, I think I see that in Esther. Uh, I was reading just about employment uh, yesterday or a couple of days ago, and, and um, I saw an article that said hiring managers these days value emotional intelligence, which is what I'm talking about, which is this getting along with people and understanding all that, they're valuing that these days higher even than intellectual intelligence. And, and the point they were making is because times have changed. The internet has changed everything. I'm not saying don't study, don't work hard, you know, all that, not, not at all. But you need to understand where things are going. Um, it used to be that there was a great value on people that could keep all kinds of facts in their mind. Not so much anymore. Example, if you were to ask me, um, uh, who was the 17th president of the United States? You know how I'd answer that? I don't know. But here he is. Right here. Because of the internet, I don't have to keep a whole lot of information in my brain. But there's always a value on getting along with people. Now, here's the good news on that. And this is, this is kind of an extra. Because next time I'm going to talk about supernatural favor. This is just natural favor. People who are believers, who get to know Jesus, and who get close to Jesus, the Bible says that as you do that, that the Holy Spirit produces fruit in your life. And what is the fruit of the Holy Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, long-suffering, all of these things that are things that cause people to get along together. Do you see what I'm saying? So just, just as you get to know Jesus more, you become a nicer Christian and a nicer person, which will gain you natural favor. How do you know Christians that are mean, nasty, and ornery? Don't point, don't point, just, just be, yeah, I know them. Churches are filled with them. Lots of them are on the deacon board, okay? They're just, they're just ornery, ornery people. And here's the deal. Lots of information, lots of knowledge, not a lot of Jesus, not a lot of getting close to him, not a lot of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. See, gifts, gifts to me aren't, aren't, aren't a big deal. I mean, I, I, I love the gifts of the Spirit, but they're given to us. It's not anything you do. What is a big deal is cultivating the Spirit in a way that you develop the fruits of the Spirit so the gifts are effective. Do you understand what I'm saying? So there's natural, um, there's natural charisma, there's natural favor. All right, the second kind of favor is supernatural favor. Supernatural favor. 
That's the obvious hand of God. You just see God's hand on a person or a group of people. I, I see that here at Seacoast, to be honest with you. Uh, we're not that good. Uh, I'm certainly not the smartest, the best communicator, or anything like that. But for whatever reason, God has chosen this group of people, lots of groups of people, but this is one of them, to, to grant favor to. Now, I don't understand that other than just here's what God does. God sovereignly chooses a recipient of his grace. He blesses them with gifting, looks, ability, talent, wealth, you know, wisdom, whatever it happens to be. God blesses them, and then he intends his blessings are to be shared with others. He never blesses somebody just to bless them and puff them up or whatever. It, it, you look at the pattern in, in the Bible, he blesses so that you become a, 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 a channel, not a reservoir that holds blessings, but a channel that blesses other people. Um, and, and we see that in a, in a couple of ways. Here's these other two subcategories under supernatural blessing. The first one is individual supernatural favor. Individual supernatural favor. That's when God chooses an individual and he blesses them. You see that all through the Old Testament. You see it in Noah. Noah's one of the earlier ones. Uh, God says that when Noah lived, he said that men's hearts were on evil all the time. He says there was great wickedness and their hearts were on evil all the time. Imagine that. Just on evil all the time. And God said, you know what? I'm sorry I made man. This is worse than even having people. So I'm just going to wipe them out. And then in Genesis 6 and verse 8, it says, but Noah found what? Favor in the eyes of the Lord. God chose to bestow favor on Noah in messy, messy circumstances. Now, why did he do it? Remember, he does it sovereignly. It's his sovereign choice. Sometimes we don't understand why God chooses some people. The Bible says that Noah was a good guy. But he wasn't perfect. Says that he was probably the best of his generation, but you got to understand his generation were people that their minds were on evil all the time, so that kind of lowers the bar a little bit. No, it wasn't perfect. I mean, he, he honored God, he did what he was supposed to do, but as soon as the cruise was over with all the animals and stuff, he got drunk, took all his clothes off, which caused a major problem in his family. Okay, this is not good. Some of you are going, hey, give the guy a break. You know, after a year with animals and his family, he ought to have a beer. Well, he didn't just have a beer. He drank irresponsibly, okay? He's drunk, and he causes a scene. But God used it. God, I'm not saying, you know what I'm not saying, okay? <laughs> Don't, save the emails. God sovereignly chose him. We see it in Joseph, and I won't go through that whole story, but, you know, I mean, Joseph is, has a dream to be a leader, and he finds himself in prison. He finds himself falsely accused. You read his story. You think your circumstances are bad? Look at Joseph. And yet the Bible says in every situation Joseph was in, God made him successful. It said that he had favor. See, your circumstances, looking at your circumstances and valuing your circumstances, has very little to do with whether God's favor is in your life or not, okay? Because it doesn't matter where you're at, God can grant you favor and make you successful, and that's what he did with Joseph. And, and, so, and so he would do that uh, periodically uh, throughout the Bible. And then there's what, what I'm going to call corporate supernatural favor, 
There's individual supernatural favor, corporate supernatural favor. And that's when God sovereignly chooses a group of people and he blesses them with favor. And he expects those blessings to be shared with others. The most obvious story of that is Israel. Why did God choose Israel? I don't know. From time to time, Moses would say, God, why did you choose these people? These are stiff-necked, they complain, they gripe, all this kind of stuff. God chose them sovereignly. He said, I'm going to do this. And I'm going to do it so that they can be a blessing to other people. And so here's what he said. He said, here's the law. I'm going to give you the law so that you'll, you'll know how to act right. You'll know how to be good. And um, if you walk under the law, uh, then I will bless you. And here will be the blessings of that covenant, the old covenant. Here's the blessings. Here's the favor you're going to get. You're going to be favored when you go out. You're going to be favored when you come in. You're going to be favored when you're in the field. You're going to be favored in the marketplace. You're going to be favored with money. You're going to be favored with relationships. You're going to always be the head and not the tail. You're always going to be on top and never below. If you just walk in my law, this is the life, this is the favor that I have for you. And so we see some pretty incredible things that Israel does as a very small group of people, small nation, because of the favor of God. But inevitably, they would walk away from his laws. And when they'd walk away from his laws, the other side of the covenant was that if you don't walk in my law, then you will be cursed. And boy, the curses are terrible. You're not going to be favored. You're going to be on the bottom all the time. And so they found themselves that way. And so, and so I don't know what's going on, but it's good. But uh, so, so anyway, so, so, they're, so, so they walk and they blow it. That's the problem. They cannot walk in the favor of God. And they find themselves over and over and over again just in bad places. And so what God does is he puts his supernatural blessing on individuals who will come and they will rescue Israel. Esther's one of those, okay? Um, His favor's on them, and she rescues them from a terrible situation. Jeremiah, you've got Nehemiah, you've got Ezra, you've got David, you've got these individual people who experience the blessing and favor of God, not because they're great people, but because God just sovereignly decided to do that. And they rescue Israel, which should be under a favored position, but because they don't do the things that they should, they walk in a curse until Jesus comes. And Jesus comes as one of those favored by God. But there's a difference between him and everybody else before him. He does no wrong. He walks in the covenant. He walks under the blessing of God. And then ultimately, he declares that he has fulfilled the covenant And he goes to the cross and he dies for our sin so that we can inherit the covenant of God. And we walk under the covenant of God because of Jesus. And now the terms of the new covenant that he gives is not what the old covenant was. The old covenant was you need to do this, 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 and this. And if you do, I will bless you. And the new covenant says no, Jesus did this, 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 and this. If you will walk in him and receive him, then you can walk under the favor and the blessing of God, which is really a pretty incredible, uh, kind of an incredible uh, deal. 
Colossians 2 and verse 13 explains it like this. It says, you were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. He's explaining baptism here. He says, then God made you alive with Christ. When you came out of the waters, he made you alive with Christ for he forgave all of our sin. And he canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. Let's talk about that just a minute. What does that mean? Um, If you work with kids, you'll understand this a little bit. Maybe you're a teacher, or maybe you've got little crumb crunchers in your home, okay, which we do right now. And so you need a law. You've got to have rules. Here's good behavior. This is what it looks like. If you're good, these are the blessings of being good. If you're bad, these are the curses of being bad. Why do you need a law? Because kids will not admit that they did anything. You say, well, our kids do. Oh, come on. (laughs) They protect their behind from day one. Yours may be a little better behaved, but they are sinners. Okay, you need to understand that. And And so here's what happens. Here's what happens. At home, it happens like this. Why did you do that? Well, I didn't do it. Well, I think, we did, I think we've got proof that you did it. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. Oh, yes, there is. There's the law that's written on the refrigerator. Let's go. That's number 16. You broke number 16. Here are the consequences. We're putting your name on a list. When dad gets home, you know, we're going we're gonna to deal with it. Or if it's a teacher, you've got the list. And you have a parent conference. And the parent comes in and they say, my little Johnny would never do that. No, here's what your little Johnny did. And it's the list. And he did this and this and this, which violated this rule, this rule, and this rule. That's the list of things of your sins against you. The Bible says that uh, it's, you're playing in the big leagues now. And that if you choose to walk under the old covenant, there is a list of all of your sins. Everything that you have done and what, that violates the rules. And what Jesus did is when he went to the cross, that list was nailed to the cross with him. How do you know that's good news? That's the list of all the past things, the current things, and the future things. He took it to the cross so that you could walk under the blessings of the new covenant. And in, uh, in, in uh, 2 Corinthians 5.21, he says, For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through Christ. So you can expect the full blessings, to receive the full blessings of the covenant because God sees you through the lens of the cross. I don't know if you're getting this. You can walk in the favor, the blessings of the covenant, not because of who you are, but because of who Jesus is. Let me, let me illustrate it like this. Many of you know that a few months ago, I had the opportunity to go and to uh, be a guest of one of the coaches of the Indianapolis Colts, Clyde Christensen. He asked Michael Morris and I uh, to come. He's a friend. And we went. I spoke at the, for the, the players before they played another team. Um, I can't remember what their names were. They played in the Super Bowl. <laughs> Denver Broncos. That's what it was, Denver Broncos. And, uh, and it was an incredible experience because we were there. We received the full favor of the Colts. I got to go in the locker room, got to go in the coaches' offices, got to go out on the field, the practice field, out on the playing field. I mean, it was incredible. And what I noticed was this, is that there are security guards everywhere, security guards, to keep riffraff like you and I out of those places. 
okay? They really are. And when I would go to a, a security guard, or I'd go to an area where maybe riffraff wasn't supposed to be, uh, he would look at me, and uh, he really didn't care that I was the pastor at Seacoast. He could care less about you guys. He could care less that in my mind, I kind of think I'm, you know, kind of a big deal, just like you do, you know. He could care less. Here's what he did. Clyde, my friend, gave me a badge. And the badge says, guest of Clyde Christensen. And here's what the security guards did. They'd look at this. Oh, you're with Clyde. Have at it. You're fine. You have all of the favor that the Colts have. And I thought about that. And I thought, that's a picture of the favor that we walk under. See, when, when we come before God, God doesn't care about your resume. I mean, in the Old Testament, it made a big difference. What's your resume? What have you done? What have you done? What have you done? What have you done? And the problem is, lots of New Testament believers live their lives as if they're in the Old Testament still. Okay? We, we, we no longer work for favor. We work from favor now. We are favored by God. And God looks at the resume, and the resume he looks at is, oh, you're with Jesus. You're good. You're good. We'll give you favor. Now, what happens when we sin, that's a whole other message. I just want to talk to you right now about your standing in God. So, so, so some people are saying, oh, you know what? <laughs> I'm a believer, and my circumstances are messy. It sure doesn't feel like favor. In fact, I had a guy last night, a friend of mine, who's had a terrible year, terrible year, circumstantially. And, uh, and, and we were talking about this. You can't evaluate God's presence and his unmerited favor in your life based on your circumstances. There had to have been moments in Esther's life where things didn't look good. She lost her parents. That doesn't feel like favor. She was ripped from her family to be in this crazy contest. That doesn't sound like favor. If you read later in the book, um, the king gets less and less excited about her physically. That can't feel a whole lot like favor. But Esther doesn't get bitter. She doesn't throw in the towel, just like Joseph before her. She kept her hope in God, her eyes on God, and her confidence in God. Because often at the lowest point in your circumstances, with your biggest disappointment, it's God's launching pad for your greatest promotion. Have you ever lost a job and felt terrible about that until looking back on it, you went, that was the launching pad to get me where I needed to get. And so I told my friend, I said, you're not out of God's favor. And he just nearly wept. Well, he did weep. Because he said, I felt like, what have I done to get out of the favor of God? You didn't because it's not about your resume. It's about Jesus. And you are in God's favor regardless of what your circumstance looked like in the current Situation. So let me give you three truths real quick um, about the favor of God. Number one, God had a plan for Esther, and he wanted her to succeed, so he gave her favor. God had a plan for Esther. He wanted her to succeed, and so he gave her favor. God's plan for her was to rescue his people, and that was wrapped up in her success. 
She's got to be successful. She's got to become queen. She's got to be at the right place at the right time. It's part of his predestined plan. So he is wrapped up. He's committed to her success. He's heavily invested in it. He gave her favor in order to get there. Number two, God has plans for you, and he wants you to succeed, so he has given you favor. See, you are saved for a reason. If you're in Christ, it's not just so you've got fire insurance, you know, that's not it. It's because God has a plan to work through you. He knows where you live, he knows where you work. He's got a plan for you to be a blessing. If he's blessed you financially, he's got a plan for you to be a blessing to the kingdom. If he's blessed you relationally, he wants you to be a blessing to the kingdom. God has blessed you in order that you be a blessing. Um, And he's heavily invested in your success. Romans uh, 8.31 says this. Let's read it out loud. If God is for us, no one can defeat us. He did not spare his own son, but gave him for us all. So with Jesus, God will surely give us all things. You know what that says? God's for you. His plan, he has a plan for you, and it's a redemption plan, and he's heavily invested. How heavily invested? He gave his son, Jesus Christ. And so if you walk in it, he will gladly give you all things. What's all things? That's favor. That's favor, okay? That's favor. One more thought. Satan hates God's plan for you, and he wants you to fail. And so he tries to hide God's favor from you. See, whether you're a teacher, a construction worker, a consultant, a doctor, a politician, or you're retired or even a preacher, it doesn't matter. God's on your side to bless you and make you a success, and Satan hates that. And he hates that. And he can't take favor away from you because it's legally yours through Jesus Christ. Security guard had no authority to take this badge away from me. All he can do is recognize when I recognize I've got the badge on. I could have been sitting in the rafters with the badge, my choice. But since I knew I had the badge, I show it to him. He can't take the badge away from me. Satan can't take the badge away from you. You know, sometimes we assign Satan with supernatural, you know, omniscient, omnipotent powers. No, not at all. What he can do is lie, steal, and confuse. And what he does is he lies to you. He hides the fact that you have favor in God. He hides it how? You get distracted. Other things, circumstances, the gap between the promise and the fulfillment of the promise. And you're looking at the circumstances and you're forgetting the promise. And so he's got you right where he wants you. And you you aren't feeling or understanding or seeing God's favor. Or maybe it's comparison. You begin to look at somebody else. Man, I tell you what, they just get all the breaks. Why why do they get that and I don't get that? And so you're, you're out from under the favor of God. Why? Because God's removed it? No, because you have removed yourself. You've blinded yourself from it. Most of God's favor, frankly, is between the ears because that's where life is lived. Would you agree with me there? And so, and so Satan wants to hide that. You get a critical spirit. You become negative. You take offense at something. Somebody points that out to you and you get real defensive about it. That might have happened to you this week. It's Satan. It's trying to hide favor from you get you to thinking you don't deserve God's favor. Here's the truth. If you are in Christ, God has sovereignly chosen you. 
God has chosen to bless you and give you favor. God intends that you share his blessings with others. So I thought this week, as I close, what if we all chose to practice the presence of Jesus every day? What if seacoasters began right here? We said, you know what? All of us, every day, when we get up first thing in the morning, first thought on our mind is going to be this. God is for me. If God is for me, who can... Who cares who's against me today? God is for my success today. He is heavily invested in that because he has a plan and he has a purpose for me. See, first thought. Throughout the day, we learn to practice his presence. We remind ourselves throughout the day, you know what? You're chosen by God. You remind yourself that God is invested in your success. You remind yourself that you are walking in the favor of God, and then you begin to look for his favor. Rather than looking for critical things or circumstances or whatever, you look around and you say, where is the favor of God here? Do you think that would change things? Do you think that would make a difference? I think it would make a huge difference. So I want you to stand together. Will you do that? Stand together right now. And this is where we do closing prayer, but we're going to do it differently today. I know I've taken more time than what I should have taken, but God will redeem it to you in eternity someday. (laughs) I really think this is important, what we're going to do right now, okay? I'm going to pray for you, but before I pray for you, I'm going to lead you in a confession of the truth concerning what we've just talked about, okay? What I want you to do is I want you to to repeat after me, but I'm going to give you time so that it becomes you. And I'm going to give it in small bite-sized chunks. The other day I was doing a wedding, and just before the wedding, the groom turns to me and he says, now that vows part, because I hadn't been to the rehearsal because I've done lots of weddings, so I kind of knew my part. And uh, he said, that vows part? He said, that's awfully long. He said, are you going to give that to me in bite-sized chunks? And I said, you hadn't memorized that? (laughs) I do those things. That's why I don't do very many weddings at all anymore. I'm going to give it to you in bite-sized chunks. I want you to close your eyes, just kind of shut yourself in with God, and let's proclaim who we are. Lord, today I believe. Receive and declare that I have your favor in my life. I am blessed. I am a victor, not a victim. You are invested in my success for your glory. And what I set my hand to do will prosper. I am a whole and favored person because of your grace through Jesus Christ. And I receive it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord, I thank you for this wonderful group of people. I thank you for your word, and I thank you for your truth. I thank you for the covenant that you've made with us. And God, now I pray that your kingdom will come in this room and that your will will be done. God, I pray that you would stir in us just a spirit of hunger and expectancy and honesty as we receive from you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.